For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. I post threads there every single night. These shows go out there Monday through Friday. And, of course, my articles come out every single Sunday. This week, it came out a little bit early, actually, this week. It was Saturday night when I posted it. A little bit of trade deadline advice with regards to how to set up your rosters. It more suits those who play in daily changes leagues, but go ahead and take a look whatever format you play in. Just a little bit of wisdom there as we set our lineups. Even if you're in a weekly changes format, a little bit of advice there uh, for these next few days, really. We have the trade deadline show tomorrow, 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'm very excited. We're bringing on a ton of guests. I think it's 14 with a couple of people who may pop in if their schedules permit tomorrow. It will be a lot of fun. Four separate panels, each running an hour. If you can't make it live, it's okay because they will be here on the podcast feed. In the coming days, it might be one or two tomorrow night and then one or two on Wednesday. I'm not sure. They won't replace the regularly scheduled shows. They'll just be kind of bonus shows. So I hope you guys are able to join live, throw stuff into the live chat because that's the best way to interact, of course. Makes it more fun when you guys are throwing questions in there and we don't have time to actually go and research them you just got to answer them on the spot pretty much it's a lot more fun it's a different animal altogether being live so i hope you guys are able to tune in on the sports ethos youtube channel i do want to spend a good portion of today talking about some players who are likely to be on the move we'll talk a little bit about luis castillo we'll still do our usual breakdowns we'll go through yesterday's top performers we'll look through the most added and drop players And we'll look at today's matchups, even though there's not really much going on for matchups today. We'll still take a look. But I do want to talk about some players who are likely to be on the move, some rumors, some things like that today. Start off with a couple of small pieces of news, though, before we really get going here. So Jacob deGrom is going to be coming back tomorrow. He will be starting tomorrow night against the Nationals. He is in line for a two-start week, so really, really good stuff there for the first time back. You're going to want to put him in your weekly lineups, absolutely. Any lineups, you're putting him in there because it's Jacob deGrom. Sounds kind of stupid, but you know some people are going to be a little bit cautious coming off of the injury, what he's going to be able to do. There's been some setbacks. There might be some caution, but there's no worry for me about starting him against the Nationals. It's about as friendly a matchup as he's going to get. It should be a lot of fun to see him actually pitching Major League games again. I feel bad for those guys in the minors who had to face him, although he did give up a couple of home runs during his uh, rehab stint, so... Those guys have memories that they'll remember forever, for sure, hitting home runs off of uh, Jacob DeGrom. But very excited to have him back. We'll ask the panels tomorrow about what they expect out of Jacob DeGrom. I'm thinking if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a top-five pitcher. It's not not really a hot take there. It's pretty pretty standard if he is going to be able to go out there and start maybe 10 games-ish. Then the rest of the way, 
he should be able to be a top five guy. Freddie Peralta is also set to return this week. I'm not sure have they actually said uh, he'll play in Pittsburgh. That will be where he will start. I'm not sure they've announced an actual day yet, but he will be uh, starting against the Pirates this week. If Freddie Peralta is sitting on any waiver wires, I don't think he is, but there was a time in the season where he was. Let me quickly take a look. I'm guessing he's in the 80s roster percentage somewhere in there. 88. Yeah, he did dip down a little bit earlier in the season. Probably not going to be available anywhere. Just take a look if you're in a shallow league and make sure that he's not on waiver wires. He wasn't exactly setting the world on fire before he got hurt. He had a 442 ERA. He wasn't doing too great, but the upside is there. The strikeout numbers are certainly going to be there. Assuming he is healthy, he can't be sitting on any waiver wires. Mostly he's not, but just in case he is, I would just go and double check, make a look, uh, take a look there. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, x-rays were negative. He's still going on the injured list. They don't want to take any chances. Jared Kelenic is back in the major leagues. I wouldn't be going and adding Kelenic outside of 15s, even in 15s. You know, we've really seen an inconsistent product out of him at the major league level. So I'm not, I'm not going to be jumping to add Kelenic. More so a little bit worried here about Julio, despite the x-rays being negative. Why is he on the injured list? They just want to give him a break. Uh, they're saying it's really sore. It's, it's concerning. Right when I heard this news, I put a couple bucks on Bobby Witt Jr. for Rookie of the Year. I thought, ah, it's okay. It's a decent little, you know, he was like 12 to 1. So I figured if Julio does have to miss a good amount of time, it should go to Bobby Witt. And of course, what happens, Bobby Witt gets hit by a pitch in his hand yesterday. He did leave the game. He's being called precautionary. He's day-to-day. Uh, shit, right? I mean, of course. Of course, that's what happens. I think that he'll be okay. I don't, I'm not quite as worried about him as Julio because they didn't feel the need to put him on the IL, obviously. So I think that Bobby Witt should be okay. They do play tonight, so it'll be interesting to see if he does get into that starting lineup. I, I guess that they might give him a day off or two, but we'll have to see here. They do play tonight. One last piece of news we'll look at here is that Mike Trout is optimistic he's not going to miss too much time after talking with a specialist. This is really good news. There was some talk about dropping Mike Trout in redraft leagues. I had heard it discussed. If you were lacking an IL slot and you were in an eight-team league or maybe even a 10-team league, you probably thought about it. But he's going to start exercises on Wednesday and going to start swinging a bat shortly after that. People were thinking his career was over and talking about MVP or talking about Hall of Fame credentials and stuff. Uh, I think that was a little bit premature. I think we were just you know, bracing for the worst in case it did happen. If Mike Trout did get dropped in your league, I don't think this will be really many, if any, leagues at this point. But I think he did see a drop by like 0.1% uh, across formats. So if you're in that 0.1% and Mike Trout's just sitting as a free agent or on waivers, it's, I don't need to tell you what to do there. Go ahead and grab him. I do want to spend a little bit of time today talking about some players who could be on the move slash pretty much will be on the move, guaranteed. Uh, just spend a few minutes here. We'll quickly run through some of the more popular names. So Nathan Eovaldi, he's in the last year of his contract. I think it's pretty likely if the Red Sox do start to tear things down, that Eovaldi will get moved. There was a report yesterday about Rafael Devers and uh, Xander Bogarts being likely the two untouchable names there. I don't know. We'll have to see. Apparently, they told Bogarts, and we mentioned it last week, and we, we rhymed off a quote there from Bogarts about how the team told him he wasn't going to be traded. 
I don't tend to believe things like that. When I hear them, I think if they can get a solid enough deal back in return, then they will trade him. They'll trade anybody. Maybe Devers is untouchable. I could see Devers, who's, I think, four years younger than Bogarts, being a part of the next phase of Red Sox baseball. So I don't know that that's going to be Bogarts. So they really want to extend a guy who's going to be heading into his 30s and give him six, seven years, whatever it's going to be. I don't know. I think that there's a good chance they start to tear it down, and I think Nathan Eovaldi has a really good chance of being moved. Pitching is always so sought after every single year. Even though he hasn't been that great, which might drive the price down, some contenders might really jump on that and say we can get Nathan Eovaldi for a bit of a discount. Remember what he did last year? He was one of the top pitchers in the American League last season. He had 195 strikeouts in 182 innings, a 3.75 ERA. It has not gone well for him recently, for sure. These last few starts have been dreadful. I do see some team picking up Eovaldi, though. I think that's really likely. Pablo Lopez has also been in trade rumors now for a good good little while. He had a terrible start against the Mets yesterday. I'm guessing that there was some distraction going on there in his head. He's not sure what team he's going to be playing for, if it's his last start with his team. We don't really factor that in a lot of the time, even though we should. These people are human beings. There are things going on inside of them that's beyond pitching we just see them as fantasy players a lot of the time which is not right I'm willing to give Lopez the benefit of the doubt here it was a good lineup he's facing in the Mets it was a one-off kind of bad start yes he had not a great one a couple of weeks ago against Texas but he's been so consistent this season yeah he's not been quite as good as what we saw in April but he's still pitching to a 3.41 ERA a 1.12 whip he's got team control for the next couple of seasons I think a team is going to have to pony up quite a bit if they do want to get Pablo Lopez. I don't see it getting done before Tuesday, before tomorrow. I just don't see it happening. Uh, We're getting into the crunch time here. Maybe a team will do it and they'll have to overpay for him. Or maybe the price just came down enough with that bad start against the Mets that some team will be able to get him for slightly less than they thought. Sports is stupid. Things like that do matter. They shouldn't matter, but if there's a guy who's gone on a tear over these last couple of weeks and someone wants to trade for them they're obviously going to cost more than the guy who's been slumping so not that Lopez has been slumping necessarily but this bad start will maybe change the prospect from you know major league ready to hopefully major league ready or something like that I'm not the most in tune with the prospect world but I do know that there will be some fluctuation in cost based on performances these past couple of weeks Lopez yesterday definitely didn't do the Marlins any favors there. I I just don't see him getting moved. Now, the next guy, I do see him getting moved here. This is Tyler Molly. I am really, really hoping that Tyler Molly gets traded. I've been hoping for it for the whole year. I have him in a lot of leagues. I have him in both my home leagues. Great American Ballpark sucks. We know this. They've already moved on from Luis Castillo, and if you go back to the the offseason, they moved on from literally everybody. Castellanos walked. Winker was traded, Suarez was traded. Uh, they just they didn't care this season about competing. They should try and absolutely capitalize on Tyler Molly. Not that he's been so great this season, but he has been definitely better recently. And they're like, wh- what's the point, right? Why why even bother holding on to him? They really should have probably traded him in the off season when his value is a little bit higher than what it is now. I still see him getting dealt, no question. They don't need him. They should try and get back a good haul of prospects, which is what they've been doing. They've been building up a good system with the Castillo trade going back to the winter. They did some good stuff for the future of their team. Holding on to Tyler Molly doesn't really help the future of this team. I expect him to be moved uh, in the next 24 hours. Frankie Montes, 
I expect he's going to be moved for sure. Same situation pretty much as Molly. A shitful team that has no hope of competing over the next couple of seasons, especially because of what they did in the offseason. You know, the Athletics, they traded away Matt Olson. They traded away Chris Bassett. I'm blanking on who else they traded. There was someone else. They, Matt Chapman, of course, to my Blue Jays. How could I forget? Matt Chapman, who's been on fire, by the way, recently. Uh, I just don't see Frankie Montes being held on to by Oakland. It, it, again, makes no sense. They need to get him out of there. It could happen by the time you guys hear this recording. I'm recording this just before noon. There's a chance that Montes is gone by the time you guys hear this. I, I think that he is, of all the players I'm going to talk about, the most likely to be on the move. Uh, he's just, there's no, there's no reason for Oakland to not trade him. He, he and Molly, I think, are, are the most likely candidates here. We've also seen Shohei Otani's name thrown around. I doubt that he'll get traded. It would need to be a really a massive offer. And maybe what you see happen is one of the teams that's in on Juan Soto doesn't get Juan Soto. They take that exact package or a similar package. Maybe they tinker with it a touch. And they offer it for Otani. I think that that's something that could happen. Now, are the Angels going to accept whatever this offer is? They probably should, but I don't think they will. I think whatever it is will probably be like four top prospects one or two major league ready players it would be an absolute haul I just I don't think it gets done this season if something like that gets done it needs to be something that you take your time on I said this last week and in regards to Soto as well it's pretty similar thing you should really be taking your time on these trades if it's a good enough offer sure take it I just the Angels really don't make any sense so it's hard to predict what they're going to do exactly if they're given a good enough offer they should take it yes but the odds of them getting an offer that's going to properly compensate them for Otani, I think is pretty far-fetched as well. Uh, Martin Perez, he's also been talked about as being on the move, likely will be on the move. I think the Rangers aren't competing for anything this season. This is a complete outlier for Martin Perez. He's never going to do this again, I don't think, anyway. I, and Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's fixed things permanently, but I think this is just one season that we'll, we'll remember for years and say, well, what the hell happened with Martin Perez in 2022? A team is going to try and capitalize on that. A contender will trade for him. I'm, I'm almost 100% certain of that. Jose Quintana, he's another guy who is likely to be traded. Uh, I think he is a free agent at the end of the season. A team is probably going to try and package Quintana with David Bednar, I would imagine. I heard that Brian Reynolds is pretty much off the table in terms of trade talks. Teams want him, but Pittsburgh isn't willing to trade him for whatever reason. I would expect that Quintana probably does get moved. Teams are going to be looking to add some arms, and there's not that many lefties who will be available at the deadline. So I think Jose Quintana has a pretty good chance to be moved. And David Bednar, I think, in a package there is likely to uh, be on the move as well. They should capitalize on both of these guys. That's pretty much it for the pitchers that I'm expecting to get traded. There are a couple of other possibilities. Carlos Rodon is a possibility, Noah Syndergaard, but we'll move on here to a couple of relief pitchers. So Jorge Lopez, former starting pitcher turned closer extraordinaire for the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles have been a great story, and there's no denying that they have been well above what we expected. They're a 500 team, more than 100 games into the season, in the toughest division in baseball. That deserves a round of applause, really. They've been, they've been great. But at the same time, they're 17 and a half games out of the American League East. They're only three out of the wild card, but in reality, they're not going to compete in the playoffs. I think they know that if they really look, look deeply into themselves. Jorge Lopez should be traded for future assets. Now, maybe they'll trade some other guys as well. Trey Mancini, we've heard his name thrown around quite a bit. 
personally, if I was going for Lopez, I would try and go for Mancini as well, try and get a bit of a power bat there that I could plug in at first, that you can move around the outfield a little bit. I would be trying to go for both of them. I think that Baltimore should be selling these pieces, not their young guys, obviously, but the guys who are a little bit on the older side that they can capitalize on right now. I think that they should trade these guys, and I think that the odds are that they will. David Robertson was another guy that I talked about as being someone you have to be prepared to drop. And I saw yesterday some people posted their fab, and David Robertson was dropped already. They're already counting him gone, counting him as a setup guy or whatever he's going to be in his new location. I wouldn't be dropping him just yet because you really never know, but I'd be very ready to be dropping Robertson. And even Jorge Lopez, these guys are going to go to a location most likely where they will serve as a 7th or 8th inning guy. We saw it happen last year. It was all, This was all in my article. This is something that I talked about. Diego Castillo, someone who was traded last year out of the closer role. Yimmy Garcia, traded out of the closer role. Craig Kimbrell, traded out of his closer role. None of them were fantasy relevant down the stretch. Castillo was okay. Didn't really. I think he had two saves and decent ratios. The other two were garbage. Kimbrell, people held on to Kimbrell because, well, it's Craig Kimbrell, and people were assuming there'd be some kind of platoon with Liam Hendricks, and the ratios either way would be great. He was awful once he got traded the only way you can really hold on to these guys once they do get traded assuming that they do get traded is if you are in a holds league that's the only place where they will have some value for me Uh, I don't expect to see these elite ratios continue for a lot of these guys once they get traded there's something that happens with relief pitchers some of them are able to continue it in their new spot a lot of them specifically closers they get traded into a setup role it just doesn't go well So I'm very ready to drop these guys as soon as we hear the news that they get traded and then go and add their respective replacements, who right now are likely to be Felix Batista and Rowan Wick. There could be some uh, platooning there in Chicago, depending on who gets traded, but it should be Felix Batista in Baltimore and Wick in Chicago for the time being. You guys should really think about dropping Lopez and Robertson when they get traded and switching them out for those guys. Let's talk about a couple position players now, and amongst them, I think Wilson Contreras is the likeliest to be dealt. From everything that we've seen from him and the hugs and goodbyes and everything, I think everybody knows he's going to be traded. Where he's going to go is a bit of a mystery. I think personally, the Mets, the Mets have been linked to him. They need a proper major league catcher. They've traded pretty much everybody over the last year, so I don't think they're going to be too sentimental about it. We might even see Ian Happ on the move as well, but I think Wilson Contreras to the Mets is a pretty likely move here. Josh Bell seems pretty likely to be on the move out of Washington as well. They're not playing for anything. They should try and capitalize. He's had a great season. He's a switch hitter. He's a free agent. All, all odds are that he will be on the move here, as well as Nelson Cruz, his teammate, another guy with a one-year expiring contract. A little bit of power to maybe add to your team. He has not been great this season, but I still think teams would definitely go for one or the other here. Maybe even both if a team is really trying to boost their lineup. Likely they'll go to two different locations, but anything is possible. I'm hoping for chaos over the next 24 hours, just just so we have everything in the world to talk about for those uh, the four hours we will be live. Brandon Drury is another one. He should be on the move. He has been absolutely ridiculous this season. If they don't trade him, they're idiots. The Reds are just stupid if they don't capitalize on what he's done this season. I think they will. Maybe he gets packaged up with the Tyler Molly. I'm not sure. I would be happy if the Jays did something like that, you know, and add another solid infielder who's played for Toronto before. 
and a solid pitcher there, I think that a team would be wise to try and go for both of those guys. If you're going to deal with the Reds, go for both of them. I think you might as well. Ramon Laureano, he is almost guaranteed to be on the move as well for the same reasons as Frankie Montes and Brandon Drury and Tyler Molly. It's that their teams have already gutted themselves. There's no reason to hold on to him. He's been pretty good since coming back. He did miss the first 20 or so games of the year because of a suspension from last season. That power-speed combo mixed with solid defense, I think a lot of teams are going to be interested in Ramon Laureano. One last trade target we will talk about, and it is the biggest one. It's Juan Soto. They're going to make him one more offer, and then if he doesn't accept it, he will be traded. Apparently, who knows? Who knows, guys? I don't believe anything really that I read online anymore unless it's from official sources, and even then, sometimes they get it wrong. Like We just don't really know. I think that Juan Soto is probably not going to get traded. That's where I've been standing for the last couple of weeks. I hope that he does, but I don't think that he will. I think it's just going to be too much to ask for midseason. Teams are going to want to take their time with this one and really work out what kind of players are going to be getting back. This isn't something you should just pull together over a week because everybody's talking about it and expects it. Like they, This is something that you, they need to take their time on. They need to make sure they're getting the best package. And if that is now, if they are getting the best package now, then they'll take it. But I think that there's a bit of a rush. Sometimes that's how these things come together. But if I were the Nationals, I would try and hold out and get a bidding war going. And maybe it doesn't happen now. If it doesn't happen now, it'll happen in the offseason. They shouldn't be in a massive rush to accept whatever offer. And I don't think they will be, which is why I think it is likely that we will not see any Juan Soto trade. As much as I'm hoping for it, I'm, I'm hoping for absolute chaos, absolute craziness over the next 24 or so hours. I just don't think it's likely. That's pretty much where I stand on these major trade targets. I think most of them will get traded once people, once the Juan Soto market figures itself out, and maybe even the Shohei Otani market. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Don't think that's either of them will really likely to happen, but once teams realize what's going on there one way or the other, then the floodgates will open up and the rest of the teams will start to make these deals. Now, I did say I was going to talk about Luis Castillo. All it does for him this year is boost his value getting away from Great American Ballpark. It's a huge bonus for him. He wasn't doing that poorly at home, but this is definitely going to be an improved team, an improved stadium. Overall, you couldn't be more happy if you are a Luis Castillo manager. It's, it's the best news that you could have had, really. Uh, of all the divisions in baseball, that's not that scary of a division, really. Houston is the only team that really scares you there, other than Seattle. So I'm very happy for Luis Castillo there. Last season, he really killed me, and I didn't have any shares this season because I just I, I couldn't do it again. I just absolutely couldn't draft a guy this year who burned me last year. It's typically the way I work. For better or for worse, that is how I work. I didn't draft him, but if you drafted him, you're very, very happy with with this result let's talk about some of yesterday's top performers here and then we'll do our waiver wire breakdown and of course the rest of our usually scheduled programming so carlos rodon he had one of his best starts as a giant yesterday he went seven innings he struck out 10 he only allowed two hits no earned runs it was a great performance if it was his last start in san francisco he definitely left them with something to remember in this half season 123 innings he's won nine games he struck out 158 batters his ERA sits at exactly 3.00. So there will probably be some teams interested in Carlos Rodon based on what we've been hearing these last couple of days. 
I don't think he's the most likely guy to get moved here. I mean, the guys I mentioned earlier, I'd expect Ivaldi to go first, Molly, Montes, Martin Perez, Jose Quintana. Rodon is arguably the best name amongst those. Uh, you could maybe argue Frankie Montes. I just I'm not sure that what the Giants are going to do here. Are they going to just you know tear it down essentially? Not that they're very successful this season. They're a 500 team, but are they going to just throw in the towel here? They're only four games back of a wild card spot. Behind them, it's Miami eight games back, Colorado nine and a half, Arizona nine and a half. There's no one else really behind them who is in that hunt there. It's just the teams ahead of them here, St. Louis, Philly, San Diego, Atlanta. I don't know that the, that the Giants are going to do that and just say, you know, forget this season, we'll, we'll start a rebuild. I don't, I don't know necessarily. They may go that route. Uh, I don't think that Rodon will get moved before the deadline, though. Either way, he's been a fantastic asset this season. Not too much really to worry about from a fantasy perspective, depending on what stadium he will potentially end up in. But for now, there's there's no need to be worrying one way or the other about his value. Andre Pallante had a really good start yesterday. His best appearance as a pro, really. Uh, eight innings, he gave up five hits, walked one, struck out eight. He did get the victory over Washington in D.C., I'm not big on Pallante really outside of deeper formats. I could see the appeal. I could see you wanting to go and jump on this, but we have to remember it was the Nationals. Their lineup sucks. Probably going to get worse, but even as of right now, it is a bad team. He took advantage of them and, you know, more power to him, but he's still sitting at a 1.40 whip. He doesn't strike out that many batters, usually four to five per start. I wouldn't be in a big rush to be adding him. Part of the reason for that is that his next start is against the Yankees. So even if you had some interest here, you're thinking, ah, oh, maybe he gets the Yankees. You can't do it to yourself. You, you just can't do that. It's it's a recipe for an absolute disaster to add him ahead of that start. Reed Detmers is the next guy we will talk about. He went seven strong, struck out 12, gave up one earned run, walked three, and gave up three hits. Now, the three walks, sure, not ideal. Walks have been a problem of his. But he has fixed something for sure. Over the last month, over his last 24 innings, he has a 1-1-3 ERA, a .92 whip. The strikeouts have been there when they weren't before. 31 in the last 24 innings. Overall, only 75 in 82 innings for the season. He's still available in a lot of leagues, Reed Detmers, and he's someone that I am totally all in on. I know that there is some issue or some worry about pitch count down the stretch, how much he will be able to pitch. He has thrown 120 innings in the minors before. Right now, he is sitting at 82 for the season, so we're looking at over the next six weeks, can he throw roughly six innings per week, get into that same kind of 115, 120 range? I think he can, and I don't think the Angels would worry too much if he gets there. That's not the biggest of concerns if he's throwing 120. I don't think anyway. I could be wrong, but I don't, I don't see that as being, you know, too much for them, really. It's not It's not such a big strain, 120 innings. I would expect him to be probably fully there, available rest of the season. Maybe they skip him once or twice, but I'm not overly concerned about it. Jake Odorizzi had himself a really nice start. Seven innings, eight strikeouts, two walks, two hits. He still strikes me as being a likely odd man out once Lance McCullers is back. It might be Christian Javier, but I think it should be Jake Odorizzi. He's got a 3.75 ERA, but his XFIP is 4.61. It shows you he's been a little bit lucky. His strikeout rate is only 18%, well below league average. I'm just not a big fan there. They're not lacking for starters. I don't see him staying in the rotation the rest of the year personally. I would not be in on an ad. 
Merrill Kelly, though, I would absolutely be in on an ad. The guy has been ridiculous this season. I don't know where it came from, but over the last, well, we'll start with yesterday. Seven innings, three hits, zero earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. If you look at what he did in the month of July, he started six games, 41 and a third innings, six earned runs with a 131 ERA, 33 strikeouts, eight walks, and four wins. He's a 287 ERA and 1.12 whip. And I said this on Twitter yesterday, but he's going to get some down ballot Cy Young votes if he keeps this up. The top 10 in ERA, it's going to happen. He's 74% rostered in Yahoo and ESPN leagues. If he's still sitting on your waiver wire, absolutely go ahead and grab him. We'll talk about one position player here, and then we will move on to our most added and drop players. And that is Alec Bohm. He went four for five yesterday. Two singles, a double, a home run. He scored three times, and obviously he had that RBI. It's hard to find someone who has been as hot as Alec Bohm recently. Over the last month, 76 at-bats, he's batting 434. Three home runs and 14 RBIs in that time frame. For the year, he's up to a 299 batting average. 51 runs, 7 homers, 41 ribbies. Got the one steal, which is obviously not a big piece of his value, but you'll take it. I think that he should be rostered in a lot more leagues than he currently is. Yes, only being eligible at third base might limit him a bit, but 55% rostered is way too low for someone who's been producing the way he has. I've said this throughout the year. If you have a streaming spot in your lineup, which is the way I do it in a lot of my leagues, I think it makes a lot of sense. You rotate in the hottest guy there. Even if he's not someone you have the most faith in rest of season, it's just a hot spot. And Alec Bohm, if you're debating adding him, should be at least in one of those streaming spots. Even if you don't want to put him in your third base position, he's someone that for right now absolutely needs to be on rosters. Let's move on to our waiver wire breakdown here. The most added player today is Jose Miranda. He hit a home run yesterday, and overall the last month has been really good for him. 13 runs, 5 homers, 18 RBIs, and a 354 batting average. He's a third base and first base eligible, so it gives you a little bit more wiggle room there. If you don't want to go for Bohm because you like to have guys who you can plug in at a few different spots, Jose Miranda, good option there, first and third. For the season, he's up to 276, 10 homers, 39 RBIs. Only 47% rostered. He's a must-add in 15s, and I think that there's room for him in 12s as well. Luis Garcia is the next guy we'll talk about, and I need to specify here because there are a few of them. The Luis Garcia, who is the relief pitcher for the Padres. That is the one we are talking about. Not the starter for Houston, not the second baseman shortstop guy for the Nationals. We're talking Luis Garcia of the Padres. He got a save yesterday. People are jumping all over him here because Taylor Rogers seems to be out of a job. I don't know that that's going to continue long-term here with Luis Garcia, and I know we need to add saves when we see them because they're just so rare. I just don't know that Taylor Rogers is done for the year now, and people are going to be spending a lot of fab and using top waiver priorities on Luis Garcia. I understand it. I'm just not totally sold that this job is just now his. This is probably going to be something closer to a little bit of a platoon. That's what I would imagine. I think if Rogers pitches well, then he will get the job back. So, I wouldn't be bending over backwards to pick up Luis Garcia. I think he's a fine ad if you're really desperate for saves, but I wouldn't expect too, too much here rest of season from him. Aledmus Diaz has been on a nice little streak recently over the last month. He has 15 runs, 6 homers, 11 RBIs, and 1 steal. Not playing every single day, but he's playing enough there where he does have some value in a daily changes league. That's where his most valuable place is in daily changes leagues. Now, when you look at his position eligibility, it's one of the more widely useful ones in all of baseball and all of fantasy. 
He can play everywhere on the infield except for catcher. First, second, third, and short. And he can play in the outfield. That is ridiculously valuable for daily changes. He's an ideal guy to just have on your bench. You plug him in there when one of your guys has a day off. And he can literally go anywhere. So I like Aledmus Diaz as a 15-team league guy. In 12s, I think that there's some value there. But I think he's closer to 15 uh, than 12 for sure. Brady Singer has been added a lot, and this is one that I like here. People are getting ahead of the curve and adding him for tomorrow. Should be two starts. I know I advised against mostly using ads in my article on the weekend. This is one where I would be fine to use it. You're getting two likely starts here for a guy who's been on an absolute roll facing a White Sox team that has struggled offensively this season. I think this is a strong move by people going out there and adding him today for tomorrow's start. Well done. Absolutely well done. Usually you see things that are kind of questionable on the waiver wire. This is something that makes a lot of sense. Anthony Santander, he's been added quite a bit. It's been a good couple of weeks for him, for sure. He's up to 64% rostered. Uh, He's a top 10 player over his last 36 at-bats with six runs, four homers, 10 RBIs, and a 417 batting average. He's a good power guy. That's pretty much it. He's going to be like two, three categories there with homers, runs, and RBIs. Not a great team. The lineup might get worse around the deadline. I'd probably be looking to see if I could sell a little high on Anthony Santander, given uh, everything going on right now. Jerkson Profar, he's been added quite a bit. You know, he's been up and down a little bit this season, but overall he's still averaging out to like a top 125 player. So you you would take that, absolutely, if you've had him on your team. I know he's kind of been a waiver wire guy this season, up and down a little bit. You add him and you drop him. He's at 66% rostered right now, and he's currently in the midst of a nice little streak. Three home runs and a steal over the last week while batting 364. I I still don't have a lot of faith in Jerickson Profar. I just remember him as a prospect coming up and just being really not what we were hoping for. I think he hit a home run or a grand slam in his first at bat that he ever had, or maybe even his first pitch he ever saw, actually, way back with the Rangers, probably 2011, 2012. I thought there were big things coming for him. There never really did come. Uh, overall, I'm still mostly out. I think you can find some better options. But from what he's given you this season, uh, he's still been valuable. So I'm not going to give you a hard time about rostering him, but I do think there are guys with some higher upside that you could probably swap him out for. We talked about Alec Bohm. Uh, I absolutely think he is an ad. Go ahead and grab him. Hunter Green. Hunter Green is one where I never know how to feel exactly. I love Hunter Green, and I think he's going to be a stud. And he did well last week against this same team. I just that, that worries me right there. That is the same team. They're going to start to pick up on some things. I would be leaving him on waiver wires early in the week. I'm not really using my ads this week at all. That's another point that I talked about in my article, but I should mention it here as well. I'm not really using any ads. Uh, if you have unlimited ads, of course, it doesn't really matter. But if you're looking at four or five, I think Brady Singer makes a lot of sense to add there. Even these guys that I do think are worth adding position player-wise, like your Aledmus Diaz in some cases, like your Alec Bohm, I would see if you can wait until Tuesday or Wednesday to do that, just until we have a proper idea of some guys who are going to be on the move. You're going to want to have some ads available to pick up guys that have value on Wednesday that didn't have them on Tuesday. Relief pitchers, guys who have new starting jobs and lineups, Whatever the case may be, you're going to want to have those ads still available. So I'm not really sold on anybody today. Brady Singer, I can understand that. That's a smart one. Two starts. I get it. 
everybody else for me is a little bit more on the I think that they're worthy of an ad. It's just, are they worthy of an ad right now in this week? If you have like six ads, I think that that's okay to use one or two of them. You're not likely going to use four of them right after the deadline. You probably, I would say one, I would use one today if at all, save a good two or three for after the deadline, and then another one or two, depending on how many you have uh, for the stretch run of the week. It's really, a lot of people have different views on this. A lot of people like to just use all their ads up at the beginning of the week and add a bunch of two-star pitchers. There's a guy in my home league who does that every week pretty much. Beginning of the week, there's five potential two-star guys. He's going to grab all of them, use all his ads, and then that's it. doesn't do it every week, but there's a lot of times where it's like, I'm losing strikeouts this week, no question. Probably going to lose wins. Decent chance I'll win ERA just because of the volume of guys he has going. Someone's going to get roughed around. But there's, there's just so many different strategies. There's so many different ways to go about it. That is not what I would do this week. Not what I would do any week, really. But this week in particular, save your ads until we really have more clarity on baseball because there's going to be a lot of changes these next couple of days. Specifically, if you see Soto and Otani and all the Red Sox get traded, you're going to see value from players that you would have never thought valuable. Let's take a look at some of the drops. Mostly, as usual, players who started yesterday JT Brubaker had a really tough start. He was added in as a Sunday streamer. It was unfortunate that he did that to you on Sunday, but nonetheless, he's got to be a drop. He's had some success this season, but you can't hold on to JT Brubaker. Jordan Montgomery, again, not a great start here. It's been a rough patch for him, to say the least. Over the past month for Jomo, 491 ERA, not good stuff, zero victories. I'm still holding on. He's still been good enough this season. It's not his fault. The wins are not his fault. And he's currently ranked 292 on the season. If he had seven or eight wins like he should, you'd see that ranking be in the 100 and some odd range, 170 probably. He's still absolutely worthy of a roster spot for me. I would not be dropping him. Show some patience, and I think you'll be rewarded down the stretch. Ramon Urias. He's been struggling over the last week or so. He did hit a home run, but he's four for his last 22. If you look at the last month, he's still ranked inside the top 60, so probably all hope is not lost necessarily, but it it was a hot stretch. I'm okay to drop him now that he's kind of come back down to earth. This is why you have that that spot in your lineup where you rotate the hottest player. For guys like Ramon Urias, when they get cold again, you drop them and you pick up the hottest new thing. Aaron Ashby had a bit of a rough day at the office, but it didn't hurt you too much fantasy-wise. Gave up five runs, but none of them were earned. It was an error. Uh, I think it was Colton Wong who had an error, and that just opened everything up for him in the fifth inning. Not good, but still, it didn't hurt you, which you'll take. Uh, he was my preferred streamer for yesterday, and I had a bit of a heart attack when I saw that he gave up five runs. But they were unearned, so it, he didn't he didn't hurt you too bad there. Strikeouts are great. I think that he's someone who should really be rostered everywhere. Uh, 34% rostered right now. He gets the Reds at home next time. He's going to be a really popular streaming option there. Now, what's going to happen when Freddie Peralta is back? Is Aaron Ashby going to lose his job? Personally, I don't think so. I think he's in enough to keep his job. Now, when Adrian Hauser comes back, which I think he is starting, uh, yeah, he's throwing again now. Not sure exactly his time frame, but once he's back, it'll complicate things a little bit there. They will have six guys I don't think Ashby should be moved back to the pen. He's performed well enough where he should be starting, and he will absolutely be a popular play when he starts against the Reds on Friday. So 
keep that in mind if you're thinking about streams a few days in advance. Aaron Ashby later this week is going to be one of the better ones, especially who knows what that Reds lineup will look like post-trade deadline. Likely will not have Brandon Drury in it. So just another added little bonus. The David Peterson drops are still coming as they should. He is now in AAA. He really got a raw deal. He was doing really well and then moved him to the pen and he sucked in a couple of relief appearances. Not fair. It's it's not cool what they did to David Peterson. As a fantasy manager, I'm not happy. As someone who w- was really big on Peterson and wrote about Peterson a lot, equally not as happy, but I think he'll find his way back up at some point down the stretch. All it, all it, I've said this a few times. All he really needs is one guy to miss a start or you know, some kind of injury. A bunch of old men over there in New York in the starting rotation. So they want to skip a guy. Maybe Peterson comes up. He should be thought of on those days as a really valuable streamer. Let's talk now today about some matchups. We don't really have much going on. We have Hunter Green and Jesus Lazardo, which is kind of interesting. Lazardo coming back. First start since, when was the last time Lazardo started? It was a while back, May 10th. He's been out a long time. Not the highest of expectations there. Uh, I'm not big. We, we already talked about Hunter Green earlier. I'd stay away from this game personally. Mets and Nationals, Max Scherzer and Patrick Corbin. Great day if you're building DFS lineups to stack a bunch of Mets because it's Patrick Corbin. Max Scherzer, we should probably get about what we usually get out of him there. Pitching in his old ballpark should be pretty interesting. Marco Gonzalez and Domingo Herman. This one I couldn't stay farther away from. Gonzalez is the worst fielding independent pitching in all of baseball. It's either FIP or XFIP. I can't remember now. So he actually has the worst X or sorry, he has the worst FIP and the second worst XFIP, which is behind his teammate Chris Flexen. Thank God for the Mariners that they added some reinforcements there in the starting rotation. Now they have Gilbert, they have Ray, they have Castillo. They don't have to worry about these lower level guys. I'm staying away from Gonzalez big time. It's the Yankees anyway, so you're staying away. On the other side, Domingo Herman. I don't want anything to do with him until he proves that he can actually pitch well. Last time out wasn't too bad against the Mets, but I'm still really not in on him. He's got to prove it to me first. The next game is another kind of a dud pitching matchup-wise. We have Zach Davies and Cal Quantrill. There's no one you're going to want to stream here, and it's kind of nice that it's this week because – you should be holding on to your ads anyway. There's no one here that's going to really tempt you into using them. At least not for me, anyway. There might be someone there who catches your eye, but we're looking at a pretty rough group here as a whole. Spencer Watkins and John Gray. John Gray's already wa- uh, rostered. Watkins has been okay, but there's no need to add him here. Brad Keller and Michael Kopech. Not tempting enough to add Keller there. You might be slightly interested in it, but... It's not going to be worth it, I can almost guarantee. Nathan Eovaldi and Luis Garcia. This one is probably the best matchup we have tonight. Probably Eovaldi's last start in a Red Sox uniform. It's a tough matchup against Houston. I'm sure that a lot of teams will be interested to see how he does against a title contender. I'm cautiously optimistic, I guess, would be the best way to phrase it. Eovaldi has definitely left something to be desired recently. His last two starts, 13 earned runs over eight and two-thirds innings. That is really a yikes for me. He's still better than that, obviously, and teams will acquire him because they know he is better than that. I said teams will acquire him. A team will acquire him because he is better than that. But this is definitely a big test here uh, going right up into the deadline. Probably that one is the best game here. We also have Mike Clevenger and Antonio Sensatella. Yeah, Clevenger should be okay here at home against the Rockies. 
Senzatella is pretty clearly not going to be a recommended play here. The last game of the night, Andrew Heaney and Logan Webb. Some people are still holding on to Andrew Heaney. It's going to be ugly. It probably will be tonight. I, I said it before his last outing, and it didn't happen, but Andrew Heaney is going to falter. It, it will absolutely happen. He got the Nationals last time out. Bit of a tougher test here against San Fran. Still not the toughest of tests, but we can't expect him to maintain what he's done so far this season which is a .47 ERA. It's just not going to happen. On the other side, Logan Webb, it's, it's, it's tough this week. There's a lot of San Fran starters that you want to start, and they're kind of tough starts. Webb, Cobb, and uh, Alex Wood. Really hard to say. My gut instinct is that we'll probably see two good ones and a bad one from these three. It's hard to know exactly. I think we'll probably see a good one out of Logan Webb. And then between Cobb and Wood, one of them will shit the bed. That's just the way it's been. It's, it's the Dodgers. I would be fine to start Logan Webb tonight and then reevaluate based on how he does uh, if starting Cobb and Wood makes sense for you. I have a lot of San Francisco pitching shares this year. I just really like what they do organizationally. So that's going to wrap it up for us today. You will not see me tomorrow in the morning or until 3 p.m. I'm not going to do a show in the morning and then do the four-hour show Give myself a bit of a break, time to plan out what we're going to be doing during the live time. Assuming that there aren't a lot of trades, I still need to have stuff prepared because if there's no trades, we're kind of shit out of luck there, just sitting around, you know, fiddling our thumbs, hoping that Juan Soto gets traded. We'll do some other stuff as well. We'll do some trivia. We'll do some random little games and stuff to, to fill the time, just in case that we don't have a Juan Soto deal or a lot of movement in general. We'll still have a lot of things to talk about regarding baseball and fantasy baseball. So, Go check out my Twitter, at JoeOrico99. My pinned tweet right now is the schedule, what will be going on from 3 to 7, who's going to be on which panel. And, of course, as those panels get underway and in the minutes leading up to them, I will be tweeting them out as well. So you guys can find those links over on my Twitter, at JoeOrico99. You can find them at SportsEthos on Twitter and, of course, SportsEthos on YouTube. They'll be shared all over the place today and tomorrow, so it'll be hard to miss, really. It'll be hard to miss. We're going to be putting it all out there. I hope you guys can be joining us in the live chat. Throw your questions in there. We'll answer them as best we can regarding baseball, fantasy baseball. You can throw whatever questions you want in there, really. I'm assuming you're going to be listening for the baseball content, but if you want to talk about football or the NBA or whatever you want to talk about, I'm sure we'll be game to handle whatever you got. If you can't make it live, that is okay. You can go back and watch it later at any time on YouTube. And like I said at the beginning here, they will be in podcast form, likely tomorrow night, and then I'll post them a couple tomorrow night and then a couple uh, Wednesday morning. So that will do it for me. I hope you guys tune in tomorrow. I hope you guys save your ads because that is very important. Save your ads. Don't be adding a bunch of two-star pitchers. We'll see you tomorrow. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys.